Welcome to the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. This ain't your grandma's podcast. Okay, before we even get into this episode, I have to address something. A very urgent matter. Um, A matter that deserves to be brought up on the podcast without further delay. I was at the Springfield 4th of July meeting, and not one, but two, and then another person indirectly said they had a problem with the intro to this podcast. And and I've invested so much into this intro, and I have put it on t-shirts, and I have gotten a lot of positive feedback, on the other hand, to this intro that I'm really starting to wonder... If it, if it's, do the people have a real problem with the intro title, This Ain't Your Grandma's Podcast, or is it because I'm showing up all your grandma's podcasts? I want people to be honest, do a real take for me, and if you really do, if I'm offending somebody, or, or if you just think there's a better intro out there, then hit me up, and I will, I will take it into strong consideration. I can't promise, because again, I'm very invested in this one. Um, I think it does resonate with some people, so I'm going to try to keep it around if I can. But if you have a better intro to this podcast, then I will, I will consider it. Okay, now let's get back to business. This is the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast, as always brought to you by your host, Aaron Batty. And this episode, uh, particularly I want to bring your attention to the newest item on the website, and that is a, a new article called What is Legalism? You'll re- recall that I did episode 18 of the podcast on What is Legalism? And then I did a written piece where I basically gave you my notes and then a little bit more written. Sometimes it's easier to study written than audio. And so there you go. There's a lot, there's a couple more new resources on there. Go check them out. Um, now I have an interview coming up, an interview with a special guest. Now, if you've seen the thumbnail for this episode, you know who that special guest is, but I have a feeling that a lot of people who listen to this podcast don't know, they've never heard, they never talked to, they don't really know who this guest is. So in just a moment, I'll introduce him. We we went kind of a long time. Well, I mean, for a segment is about 40 minutes long. And so I, I'm not going to do a Bible story. I'm not going to do commercials or anything. We're just going to get straight into a very important topic about fasting. And I think this will be of very great interest to many people. And more than just of great interest, I think it'll be very helpful to many people. Something that I've been thinking about for quite a while and decided to have, well, I can't say his name, on to the podcast to talk about it. So we're going to get right into it. Here we go. Oh no, I lied. I didn't actually lie. I forgot that I did want to let you guys know about a new product made available by 5-Minute Bible Study, the complete Q&A guide to the books of the Old Testament. What's wrong with Israel making alliances with nations like Egypt, Tyre, and Sidon? What are three different factors that make dating the reigns of the Hebrew kings very difficult? These and many more difficult questions from the Old Testament are addressed in this Q&A guide. It is actually a companion to the book Thomas Nelson's Complete Book of Bible Maps and Charts, so you will need that as well, but I have those on stock. And if you buy four or more copies of this new workbook, I will send you a free companion textbook of Thomas Nelson's to go along with it. Reach out to me. Reach out to me by email through the 5-Minute Bible Study Instagram or Facebook page, and I'll get you hooked up. You can pay by PayPal or Venmo. If you would like any other books from 5-Minute Bible Study while I'm shipping them to you, just let me know, and we'll get them to you. Okay, on to our main dish now. Okay, well, welcome back to the main dish. I have sitting across from me Ed Daniel. Ed's one of the elders at the Chapel Grove Church of Christ where I preach. Um, say hello to everybody, Ed. Hello, everybody. Uh, Ed was so graciously decided and agreed to talk 
with us today about fasting, as I've already previewed in this episode. Um, we could go a whole lot of different directions, but I thought I would just at the beginning here uh, let you, Ed, just kind of open the floor by getting this topic out there a little bit. There's, you know, take it whatever direction you want, because I feel like it's something that is so much not talked about in our circle. I don't know that there's a reason for that, but um, it's just the truth. So I guess really to start things off, why do you think that maybe fasting uh, has kind of gone undiscussed in my lifetime, in at least the One Cup Church of Christ? Maybe you don't have any thoughts on that, but um, I just was thinking about it. I'm like, man, why this is so discussed in the Bible. Why don't we talk about it? Well, you're right. I was amazed at how much information there is in the Bible on fasting and examples of it. And um, it's something that um, is very private. Um, I don't know if that's the reason why people haven't said more about it or there's not been more teaching about it, um, simply because it's supposed to be a private individual thing. Um, I suspect, though, that it's just not been discussed and talked about because it's not practiced uh, among our people in general as a whole. It's uh, something that's kind of gone by the wayside as something you can do or can't do. It's, and it is up to you whether you want to or whether you don't want to. It's, it's a personal choice, but I think um, that may be the reason why it's not as uh, talked about as much or not taught as much from the pulpit. Along those lines, it just crossed my mind to check a couple of different Q&A columns from past publications in the One Cup Church. Um, I looked at Ronnie Way's Quaris column from the OPA going back for the last, I don't know how far back that goes, 30, 40 years. And in that column, nobody submitted the question about fasting or any question about fasting. So back to, the, you know, this has been my whole lifetime, 30 years almost. Uh, there's been very little discussion about it. That's confirmed there. And then I went back to a little bit earlier than that, and that was David Lipscomb and E.G. Sewell's Questions and Answers book. And there were three questions asked about it. So it is clearly something that used to be a lot more talked about and discussed topic in the Church of Christ. Um, But that was just very interesting. Maybe y'all find that interesting as well. But uh, anyway, perhaps there's other reasons why. Uh, I guess that's probably a good take. I don't don't think people are fasting very much. because when I talk to brothers and sisters in temptation and all that, and I bring this up as an option, they don't even, they've not even thought about it, you know? Well, that's got to be because of the lack of teaching. And the, you know, like I said, it is a personal private thing, and the Lord told us to keep it private um, when we practiced it, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be talking about it and encouraging one another. Um, It was a common uh, part of, the religious elite, at least, uh, during the days of Jesus, the Pharisees fasted twice in the week um, on Monday and Thursday. Um, Christians uh, later began to fast on Wednesdays and Fridays for whatever reason. Historically, that's where those were the days, but it was very common. And, um, you know, Jesus said that there would come a time when his disciples would fast after he was taken away from them. He was questioned by the um, Pharisees, I believe it was, about why um, his disciples didn't fast. And, you know, he gave the reason that they wouldn't fast or couldn't fast while the bridegroom was with them. But when he was taken away, then his disciples would fast. So it 
um, it's almost to me understood that it's a given that Christians would fast and that they would fast regularly as a part of their self-discipline. You actually taught on this, um, I don't know how long ago. Well, we were preparing for our eldership ordination, and uh, we had asked you to teach on this because I guess you had taught on it before. You may be the only person that has taught on this that I know of in the last uh, 30 years, you know, of, in our fellowship. Uh, have you ever heard a sermon on it? No. Yeah, besides your own. Well, you brought up a really good passage, and it's along the lines of what you just said there. Um, there was an expectation. You brought up a passage in that sermon, Matthew 6 and 16. It's also the same thing in verse 17. Jesus says, moreover, when you fast. Um, repeat what you, what, you, what you said in that lesson about that. Well, that passage and the statement that Jesus made certainly indicates that his disciples would fast. He It, it was a given in the in the statement that he made, when you fast, um, you know, and then he gave instructions on how to, you know, behave while fasting. And um, so it's uh, kind of like, you know, Acts 27, when when the disciples came together to break bread, that was a given uh, just because of the way it's stated that on the first day of every week, they would assemble together to break bread. That was their practice. And um, so it seems to indicate by the way Jesus stated that, that his disciples would uh, be people who fasted and did so regularly. I like that comp to when you come together. Um, there's some obvious parallels there. There's some obvious disconnect where that doesn't, it's not a perfect parallel, but um, you said just a minute ago that, you know, this is kind of up to you whether you do it or not. So kind of putting all that together, Jesus expects you to do it. At the same time, there is no regulation exactly how often to do it, when to do whatever. Would you say that it's pretty safe to, if a Christian went his whole lifetime and never fasted, that would be a problem? <laughs> that would, I would think would be a problem. And that kind of pricked me whenever you taught on this because, and that passage really uh, weighed on my mind a lot because uh, I'd just be pretty transparent here. I never, well, I'm trying to think back. I don't think I ever fasted until, uh, well, I think once I started preaching, there was some stuff that came up and I fasted. Um, well, we fasted when we were leading up to my ordination as an evangelist at Chapel Grove. I think that was honestly my first fast. I'm just, that was three years ago. Well, look, my experience is similar. Um, it goes back uh, quite a ways when, uh, back to 90, I guess, 1990, when we were, uh, ordaining elders and deacons and I was uh, going to be ordained as a deacon and that's really when I studied uh, the first time about fasting and the purpose of fasting and what you know what the Bible had to say about it was on that occasion. Well you know I guess we could keep on talking about why we haven't talked about it, why we haven't done it. Um, fact of the matter is you're, you're listening to two guys that <laughs> are not um are not the best examples to look to probably in the whole of our life. Uh, not probably for sure. Um, I might should just speak for myself, <laughs> but I feel like we both just testified that we're not the best examples to look to in this. You know, if you were to look at our whole lifespan. Um, so we're definitely not doing this podcast, trying to say like, be like us or anything. And no, and I feel like it's one of these things. It's kind of awkward because Jesus says to not, talk about it per se but 
then you're like, well, we're going to do a podcast about it. <laughs> well, it's not the, the prohibition that Jesus gave was to appear to men to be fasting. It's just like them when he told us to go in our closet and pray in private. It's something that's to be done in private. It's not to be done in a showy way. We're not to disfigure our faces and go about moping like so that everybody knows that we're fasting. But, you know, there are other people involved in our lives that have to know if we're going to fast, you know, especially if you're married, one of the rules uh, given in the sexual relationship was that you not defraud one another except for consent, that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer. And so if a married person wanted to give themselves a, a few days to fast and pray and to, um, you know, uh, spend that time in close communion with the Lord, they would need the consent of their spouse. So somebody's going to have to know. The people that you live with are going to know that you're not eating. Um, so it's not a matter of that nobody can know and and um, to keep it uh, completely to yourself because that's not possible. The problem is, is when we go about making a public spectacle of ourselves and making sure that the people are, you know, everybody that we come in contact with that day knows we're miserable because we haven't <laughs> been eating all day. So, I'll, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I, I like the way you put that. Um, kind of like when you pray in a restaurant, you know, you're not praying for everybody to see you. Although if you were to stand up in your chair and raise your hands to the heavens and pray that way in the restaurant, then that might be uh, obnoxious in what Jesus was talking about not to do. Yeah. <laughs> pray in your inner room. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I feel better about this podcast already. Let's keep going. <laughs> um, so why don't you just, you know, we've talked about the fasting. It's talked a lot in the scripture. Why don't you just prove that to us just a minute here? Maybe people are not really aware of how much it's talked about. Well, it's um, interesting that the only commanded fast in the law of Moses was on the Day of Atonement, Leviticus sixteen twenty nine, and also chapter 23, verses 26 through 32. And they were commanded to afflict their souls from evening to evening. So it was a one-day, um, evening-to-evening fast that was done to be done once a year on the Day of Atonement. But that wasn't um, the only time that God's people fasted. They fasted, David fasted when he was beseeching the Lord on behalf of the infant that was born to him and, and Bathsheba that God said would die. And for seven days, David fasted and prayed that uh, the child's life would be spared. Um, there are instances he, he fasted at the death of Abner, 2 Samuel 3, 31 through uh, 35. Nehemiah was fasting uh, because of the desolation of Jerusalem and the temple. He'd received word of what had happened there. And so he um, fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. That's in verse 4. Um, so you see a, a lot of times that God's people fasted during times of mourning. You see a lot of uh, times that in times of repentance when people were uh, convicted of their sin and they were turning from their sin that they committed themselves to fasting and prayer to um, emphasize the seriousness, I guess, of the fact that they had repented. I think of uh, Nineveh and uh at the preaching of Jonah, they repented and the king commanded a fast um, 
for uh, the people. That's in Jonah, the third chapter, verses five through 10. Um, and they were heathens, but they um, recognized that the, you know, the use of sackcloth and ashes and, and uh, fasting evidently was something that they were aware of. It's something they did in, uh, to um, hopefully in there to turn away the wrath of God from doing what he had uh, intended to do as far as destruct, destroying that city. Uh, they, play, they fasted and prayed when they were in times of captivity, when they uh, wanted to be, you know, they were seeking for deliverance and, and uh, they were earnest in their prayers. Paul fasted at the time of his conversion um, when Paul and or Saul and Barnabas were consecrated to the ministry that they were to do, they were uh, done. That was done with fasting and prayer um, at the appointment of elders, Acts fourteen and twenty three. Uh, in times when they were in danger, Acts twenty seven thirty two through thirty six. Uh, so there are um, many passages that show that not only in the Old Testament but in the New Testament that God's people were. Uh, they fasted on various occasions and for various reasons. We've already talked about um, fasting uh, in times of close communion with God, um, in times of private affliction. Uh, God's people fasted, Second Samuel uh, 12 and verse 16. That's a pretty good list. <laughs> yeah, and that's not all. There, there are more, um, but yeah. a simple search you know, we'll, you'll be surprised at how many times and for what kind of reasons God's people fasted both in the Old and the New Testament. I would encourage you, if you're listening and you really want to see that list, um, a full list, go to blueletterbible.org. There's a search menu bar at the top of the screen if you're on your laptop. Type in the word fast. It's all, it's all case sensitive, so type in fast. And then after you look at all those verses, type in fasting. And between those two searches, you're going to find pretty much every occurrence in English, at least. And that'll show you everything Ed just went through and maybe more. Oh, yeah, definitely more. Yeah, definitely more. Um, okay, so, yeah, very very much talked about in the New Testament. Then Jesus says, when you fast, and we kind of addressed that. So let's it's just assumed. Yeah. And I, and I kind of want to get to the benefits of fasting in just a minute because there's obvious spiritual benefits to it. It's, this isn't just practiced for piety's sake. Well, one of the obvious benefits is, is it um, uh, you gain control over the physical man. There are natural desires and needs that the physical body um, has that are God-given, and hunger is one of them to feed and, and nourish the body. Um, when you deprive the body of that, nourishment it's going to let you know um that you're neglecting you know the flesh and so immediately what happens is you begin to tell the difference between what is the natural man or the physical man and how to bring that man under control and what is uh, the spiritual or the soul uh, however you want to refer to that uh, side of of man and you begin to see a difference between what's actually the the flesh and the body as uh, opposed to the spirit and the spirit in this uh, sense or the inner man uh, however you want to refer to that is in control when you're fasting you're saying no to the 
flesh, that's the inner man or the spiritual man uh, being in control of the flesh. And I think of Paul when he talked about bringing his body under subjection. Um, and I, I just have to believe that fasting had to be part of that process of him bringing his body under subjection. A lot of people have trouble controlling the flesh and the natural desires of the flesh. Well, fasting is one good way of um, disciplining oneself and and uh, bringing the body under control. Um, another one of the benefits, uh, uh, spiritual benefits of fasting is that it draws us closer to God. Um, in the Old and the New Testaments, it was during times uh, that a person was earnestly seeking the Lord and seeking the Lord's help or answer to prayer. And it showed a seriousness and an earnestness in their prayer. And um, there's, there are passages that show us that God uh, pays attention to that. Uh, one of those passages is um, Joel, the second chapter, verses 12 through 13, where the Bible says, Now therefore says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. And so in times of, obviously this would be in times of repentance and seeking the face of the Lord, it's something that uh, gets God's attention. Um, and it draws us closer to the Lord and, and the relationship that we have uh, with him. Thanks for bringing that up. Any other benefits you, you have on your mind? Well, one of the physical benefits is if you can get past the first day, you, there is a purification that goes on in your body and cleans toxins and what have you out of your system. And that results in a clearer mind. And so um, when, you know, you're fasting and, and praying, um, clarity of mind is a benefit. And then if you add study and meditation to that uh, routine, you know, your uh, what you learn and what you retain from, you know, what you study should be uh, better than it would have been without it. Now, I'm not a doctor, and I don't know. All I know is that's what I've been told and what I've read, that it does clear, clarify the, the mind, clear the mind, and uh, purify the body, the bodily systems. You bring up the physical benefits makes me think, you know, today it's actually pretty f common now and popular to fast for physical benefits um, with certain diets and even exercise regimens and so forth. So it's kind of, I don't know, I feel like in the last five years that's become a thing. Maybe I've got the timeline a little bit off. But I don't want you guys listening to think that, don't be lying to yourself, don't be persuading yourself that, okay, well, I like what they're talking about because it correlates with physical fitness and all these you know, physical advantages. Because really, if you're doing this the right way, I'll be honest. Now, it, it, I, I wasn't taught to fast growing up and all that, but at times I, I would read a passage and I would think about it. But I was also one of these dudes that was like 80 pounds, 5'10", you know, growing up. And I wanted to add weight and muscle for baseball and all that, and I couldn't. If you had fasting on top of that, I really wasn't going to be able to. And I, so I think that that was probably in the back of my mind, you know, one of the holdbacks is the physical consequences of fasting. You're, 
You're not going to bulk up if you're trying to bulk up. You're going to lose weight. That might actually be a benefit to some people. You might want to lose weight, and that's, so you do it for that reason. Uh, don't get the don't get the motivations mixed up here. No, you want to be very careful because if you're fasting, if you enter into a fast um, with the intention of seeking the Lord, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, yeah, I'm going to lose some weight here too. Yeah. Um, you've kind of blown the whole purpose behind uh, doing the fast. If you want to fast to lose weight, fast to lose weight. But don't mix the two together. And that's what's become popular is fasting to lose weight. Because fasting has become popular. It's not because it's because people are becoming more righteous. <laughs> uh, ironically, probably some of the most unrighteous people are, are fasters, you know. But anyways, that's just a side note. Now, as to these spiritual benefits that you talked about... Um, you kind of you spoke to this a little bit before, but th- there was something I remember you talking about, kind of the um, the art to fasting in the Old Testament and how they would put ashes on their head and tear their clothes. And st- there was some other stuff maybe that you mentioned um, when I remember you talking about this in the past. And you explain what was the intention of all this stuff that you know combined to, to be somebody in mourning and what how that provided these these spiritual benefits? Well, sackcloth was a very uh, rough, kind of like I would compare it to burlap, if people know what a burlap sack is like. And if you wrap that around your waist, um, you're going to be pretty miserable. You're going to know it's there, and it's going to be very irritating to your skin. Uh, The ashes were the same thing, resulted in the same thing. And so it was a way. It was an. It was a way for them outwardly to show um, the rending of the clothes, the sitting in in ashes and wearing sackcloth. All of those were ways in fasting. Were all ways of afflicting one's physical man in order to get God's attention. Now, I'm not saying that, um, and maybe that's the wrong. Maybe that's the wrong um, way of saying it, not not necessarily to get his attention like he's not paying attention, it, but it's to demonstrate a person's seriousness and earnestness in their uh, prayers and in, their, in, in an expression of their grief. To It was common to afflict uh, the body. Um, I think that can be taken... You know, there are people in the past that have been so disciplined and they whipped and beat their bodies physically and uh, abused their bodies in, in different ways as, in, as in, a, in religious orders. I think that's way out of line. I don't think that's what uh, God intended at all. But it, if a person is going to seek the Lord and be earnest in their prayers and seriously uh, seek God's um help um that was a way of showing their grief and their intent on repentance um and usually that's when you see it the most is in repentance and in times of sorrow or grief uh yeah um i think you know the one that comes up the most obviously is repentance because how often do we sin you know from week to week and then you ask the question but then again how often do we fast 
And so is that indicative maybe sometimes about how serious we, seriously we, we take our sin or how casual we get about it? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It may not be an indication of how casual we are, but I certainly believe that if we had better control of the physical man, which is taught in many passages in the New Testament, if we could bring the body under control, that our sinning would become less and less. As most people, most of the sin that we struggle with can be eliminated if we could bring the body under control. And it's just simply a lack of self-discipline and self-control. And this is one tool that we have to uh, work on that problem. Yeah, I think uh, that's a good point to bring out. This is one tool because I don't want people to get the impression that fasting is going to cure all your problems and it's going to it's going to suddenly make you this man of steel, you know, spiritually speaking. Um, it is one tool in the toolbox. And if you're not using it, you're really, um, you know, you don't realize what you're missing in terms of what strength it can add to you spiritually. Um, so that was good. The, uh, the burlap sack and understand what sackcloth was. It's interesting because when John the Baptist comes preaching, he's wearing uh, this camel's hair, which is what I understand to be sackcloth material. And he's actually wearing what people would wear when they mourn, but then he's preaching repentance, which is interesting because he's wearing repentance, basically. He's wearing the clothes of people that repent and mourn. That's something interesting when you think about um, how that kind of helped contribute to his message. He was dr- dramatizing his message in a way. But right. he was also sincerely mourning and repenting Israel for the state they were in, too. So I don't know if you want to call it a dramatization as much as he was actually uh, mourning and, and distraught over it. So all these benefits, um, kind of the mechanics that go into it, let's talk a little bit about the application or um, practical. Let's talk about practical tips that go into fasting. Um, I I hope I haven't given people the impression during this podcast that I'm advocating you fast every day because eventually that's going to pose some problems. And I'm not trying to say like go from zero to nothing or go from zero to 100 in your fasting regimen and all that. I'm just trying to encourage people generally to think about fasting some as opposed to never <laughs> and right. to actually do it some as opposed to never. So when we're, when we're talking about starting to fast, maybe you're convicted listening to this, uh, what are some practical tips as to when you should fast? When's a good time to fast and, and how to go about it? Well, I would just suggest that a person set aside, um, you know, periodically a time that they're going to give themselves to fasting and prayer. Um, as I said earlier, the day of atonement was one day. Um, there are other indications that, um, uh, just one or two meals were, um, eliminated. Um, there are other indications like with Daniel and, and his companions when they were taken into captivity that they restricted their diet to vegetables and, and water and wouldn't um, participate in or partake of the king's delicacies in the food that he had offered them and his wine. So um, these restrictions are, they're, they're various restrictions 
as far as how long um, a person should fast. And so my, I would recommend that um, you start by skipping a meal and giving that time that uh, for till the next meal that you um, spend some time in prayer and reading of God's word um, and then increase that as you're as you go along and not don't try to do a seven day fast or a 14 day fast or even a three day fast if you've never fasted before um, you want to build up your um, tolerance I guess is uh, what I would call it to uh, until you're um, able to go, you know, disciplined enough to go for longer periods of time. The, the disappointing thing in fasting is if you, if a person um, sets their mind that they're going to fast and then they give themselves, they enter into a fast for three days and you make this known to the Lord, I'm going to fast and pray and seek your face for three days. And then you make it a day and a half and then you have to, you just give in to the desires for, for nourishment, for food. Um, you've broken the fast and you've broken a commitment that you've entered into with the Lord. And I believe that's very serious. And so a person needs to build up from, you know, uh, over a period of time until they're disciplined enough to f complete whatever, um, commitment they make. Um, some people restrict to their uh, diet to juices in the beginning and, and no solid food. Um, some people fast with, um, uh, and, but they drink water. Naturally, you can't go for too many days without drinking water, but there are indications that there were those that went a day without food and water in their fasts in the scriptures. And You'll find all of that if you just do a little bit of research. Um, so it's, it really is an, a matter of individual, um, what an individual determines for themselves and then enters into it with the Lord. Just make sure that you're able to complete your commitment. That would be my advice. There was a brother I was talking to recently, and one of the first things I encourage um, a brother or sister to do if they're really going through um, a bad habit and they're like ready to, okay, they they they're gonna beat this, and so they go and they ask for somebody to help them. So say they come to me, one of the first things I tell them to do now, I didn't used to, but is to enter into a fast and um, use that time to really pray and focus, read the Word of God, meditate, and really give yourself to spiritual practices and disciplines and depending on God in those moments. Um, so in that, one of the questions that was raised to me was how long to fast. And um, it, some of the things you, know, you, you tell people uh, you think are a given, but I think people need to hear this. You need to do it for long enough to where you do feel afflicted. <laughs> right. you know, maybe that's for some people maybe that's four hours I highly doubt it for me I've gone uh, I've missed a meal and not even realized I was missing a meal because I was working hard or something you know but the idea of it is to afflict yourself and so if you're not afflicting yourself 
however long that is, then it's not long enough, I would say. Um, so do that. And also for me, just practically, it seems to be, you're talking about making a commitment and wanting to keep that commitment. It seems easier for me to, to go into a fast, determine, okay, this is, I'm going to do this t- starting tomorrow morning when I wake up and I'm going to do it for this long amount of time. It makes it easier for me to stick with it when I get, you know, say past the 24 hour mark, which is typically when it gets a little harder. Um, you're, you're, you're actually starting to have these stomach cramps and stuff like that. And your mind's just thinking about food. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to when I just kind of randomly go into it. I think one of the first times I fasted and it wasn't just for like an, an ordination service or something was when brother Tori passed away. And it just felt to me like it was just almost disrespectful to eat, you know, um, that day I just, you know, I thought about food, but I just thought to myself, no, I'm not going to eat. This is, and I don't know, maybe that's a cultural thing, but, uh, when you read the Bible, I think that's where I, I get that from. You know, when people passed away, people mourned, they fasted and, um, it shows to God that you're, and of course you're not telling people that you're fasting. So it's really between you and God. And it just shows to God how much you mean this prayer that you're offering to him in this circumstance, which, I mean, I hope you're praying in that circumstance. And so, um, those fasts seem to be more difficult and that doesn't, that maybe that's a good thing, you know, maybe. Um, but it does seem to like the commitment level is, is easier whenever you're, you're planning it out it, it, when there's no like emotional trauma going on or something. It's just like a, otherwise a normal day. Right. You know, another thing that might be, especially when you're fasting because you're trying to overcome some habit or some sin, sin is addictive and you know, whatever it is that a person struggles with, um, they're basically addicted to that sin. And when they try to stop it, you know, the body or the mind is going to fight like crazy to continue in that habit or that um, sin. Um, So you're kind of getting a double whammy when you hit yourself with fasting and resisting temptation i'm not saying that it's uh, not a good thing i think it would be a good thing but one of the benefits of fasting is you begin like i said earlier to identify what is the flesh and what is the body that's warring against the spirit and what i want to bring my body under subjection and i want to stop um letting the body have control um that's accomplished through fasting and um I think that it's helpful to even um, involve other people in a, like when we ordain elders or or evangelists, you know that the whole congregation is involved or those that want to participate in it are involved in the same fast. It makes, um, that adds an element to it. And if in the beginning it's easier for you to go for a day without food, if you know that a brother that you're close to is going through the same thing and committed to the same thing with you, and both of you are praying for the a common outcome, 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, to do it with a, with another person. I don't think that's a violation of what Jesus said as far as um, it being a private thing. Um, that was, he was, he, his prohibition was against an outward show and being showy about it. So um, getting somebody else involved may be helpful in getting through not only the temptation, but in, in completing the fast that you've committed yourself to. Yeah, I agree. I, um, I've actually thought about that recently and I'm going to try to start doing that with a, a buddy of mine to make it, uh, it just, everything's better when you have somebody to do it with you and it's kind of somebody keeping you accountable in a way, but it's just knowing somebody's suffering with you yeah. <laughs> as opposed to by yourself. Some, some people do that out of spite. They just get joy out of other people's suffering along with them. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, in a good way, of course, you know, you're both you're both enduring this together and it just seems like with community there, it's, it makes it easier. <laughs> um, okay. Well, very good. That's a lot of uh, good, you know, good points we've brought out and I appreciate you sharing all that. One, one thing that you did bring up there, and I just wanted to comment on this real quick is something that I've noticed. Uh, you talked about congregational fasting and, um, and you also brought up Matthew six again, or you alluded to it. And let's just read that real quick. It says in Matthew 6, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. I don't think we've actually read the whole passage. Jesus says, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you don't appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And I've noticed sometimes when there is a congregational fast, um, you talked about the purpose of it and not being showy and all that. Well, I guess there's two different ways to be showy about it. One is to be very verbose and uh, parade yourself. The other is to complain about it. <laughs> and I hear people, you know, you'll have a, a, a church dinner to break the fast and people are complaining about how hungry they are and all of that. I'm like, dude, if you're going to complain about it, then don't even do it, you know? Um, you may not be trying to be showy about it, but you're certainly not washing your face, anointing your head with oil so you look normal and nobody knows the difference, you know, if they were to see you on the street. So I think that's something to take into consideration too. And, and maybe people do that if they're just fasting on their own. Yeah. Uh, don't complain about it. <laughs> no, I think you're right. And another thing that just came to mind when you read that passage is that you don't want to wait until a day, you have a day where you have nothing else on your plate where you can, I mean, it'd be nice to have a full day where there's nothing else that you have to do but just devote yourself to praying and fasting and reading and meditation. That would be wonderful. But the idea that Jesus is presenting here is that you go about your normal day. You go to work, you interact with your family, you interact with your, um, you know, in, in the community, you go about your day. You don't have to, you can pray and be in a, in a state of mind where you're connected with the Lord without um, anybody knowing it. And the idea there is, you know, to, you do this, but you go about your daily routines. And if you wait until the day that you've got nothing that's going to interrupt your thoughts, then you're probably never going to do it. Well, I think, uh, you know, fasting is just such a big, 
a big uh, discipline that the Lord has offered us. You know, he, he gave us our bodies. He gave us food. He gave us all these things. And at the same time, he gave us the discretion to know that when we deprive ourselves of these blessings because we have allowed sin into our lives or just for other reasons, for mourning or whatever, um, it, it is equally a blessing that he has given us to practice self-discipline in this way. And I highly encourage you, if you are somebody that is, is um, going through lack of spiritual discipline, even for that matter, you know, I, I encourage you to, to practice this to help build discipline. Any other closing thoughts that you have that you want to share? I just encourage people to make this a part of your life. Um, I've got a ways to go in, in making it a regular part of my life. Um, I try to practice it from time to time, but it's obvious that uh, the people of God in the early day do some research into the history of the church, and you'll find out that it was common for them to fast twice a week, um, even in the early church. Uh, of course, the Pharisees did it for show, but, you know, and that's not uh, a good thing, but um, I'm not saying that we need to fast twice a week either. I'm just saying make it a part of your life and a part of your discipline. You will see some growth and and um, development in your spiritual life. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on, Ed, and let's go eat. <laughs> no, seriously, thanks for coming on the podcast, and um, Lord willing, we'll see you here in, in the future. All right. Thank you. Well, as always, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope that it was encouraging to you. It inspired you to take this spiritual discipline into consideration. And so if you have any questions about it that we're not addressing this episode, please reach out through the Instagram or Facebook page and I will do my best. And I can also have uh, Ed answer your questions if you would like them rather be directed toward Ed directly. Okay. Until next time. This has been the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast.